Let's start where we've been starting since the beginning of the year, Romans 12. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. All right. Let's read those two verses together and we will, we will pray. All right, Romans 12, 1. Ready? Begin. Therefore... I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. All right. So transformation. Six months, six and a half months into 2016, we've been looking at transformation, right? And what's the big M word that helps us understand it? Metamorphosis, right? The caterpillar to the butterfly. Anybody here sprout any wings yet this year? Anybody still stuck in the cocoon? Okay, well, here's the great thing. If you remember that picture of the cocoon, there's a lot happening that's not yet being seen. And sometimes, I want to encourage you, sometimes we can get overly, overly caught up with looking for the fruit and looking for this radical external transformation when God's still working on the insides. See, what happened in that cocoon, if you remember, right, it was a caterpillar. The caterpillar makes a cocoon. In the cocoon, the craziness is, the way God created that caterpillar, when he makes the cocoon, what happens to the caterpillar? He gets eaten. He goes away. And the nutrients from that caterpillar, I don't know how God did this, are used to create the butterfly. So I would say that in the cocoon, the caterpillar's not real happy. He went into the cocoon, and we celebrate the butterfly. Woo! The caterpillar probably had a whoa, wait a minute moment here. You mean to get there, I gotta go through this? Now, anybody ever have a I gotta go through this God moment? Okay, Lord, you said you're faithful to complete. You said you're transforming me into the image of Jesus. But why do I have to go through this? Right? Because it's in the this moments that what? We're often broken. We often are reminded of our absolute dependence upon God. We, we come to him and we say, okay, Lord, I give up. And the Bible says, calls it, Dying to yourself, right? The flesh, the old man. Putting off the old, putting on the new, right? Those are daily decisions we make. So we've been talking about this transformation process. And it says in Romans 12, too, that we are transformed primarily by what? The renewing of our mind, right? In the last few weeks, we've been talking about this mental revolution. We've been given the mind of Christ, according to the Bible. According to the Bible, we have the Holy Spirit, According to the Bible, the Bible is God's word, it's truth. 
So we've been given everything we need for life and godliness, ultimately, so our minds are what? Renewed. Renewed. As a believer, here's the radical thing. As a believer, you now have the supernatural privilege and ability to see the world completely different. How many of you, before you're a Christian, this, is, this right here is the last place you would have been on a Sunday morning? What's the need? Who needs that? That's for people who are weak. That's for people who need a crutch. Right? Who needs church? Suddenly, you're here! Turn to the person next to you and say, you're here! Right? You're here! Right? Hopefully because you want to be. Right? And, and you, see me, you see me do this often, right? The renewing of our minds is a process. And it's what we call a biblical worldview. So as you get to know, because you have the mind of Christ, as you get to know God's Word, you know His will, and you begin to what? See the world through Scripture. You begin to hear things through Scripture. Hopefully you begin to speak through Scripture. And this is really important. And this is our big challenge, right? How many of us right now in this election year cycle are are challenged or even have thought to look through and watch the news through this? How many of you have thought to listen to the news through this? Or are you just sort of reacting and viewing it in your own opinion the way you've always done it? See, that's the challenge. That's transformation. That's renewing of the mind. It's just say, okay, Lord, teach me to see everything through your view. That's the transformation. The more you do that, the more you appropriate what you have, the more you walk in faith and obedience, the more what? You are transformed from the inside out. That's the joyous, you know, one, uh, one pastor calls it, that's our joyful duty. It's a joy. It's a joy. And so you see there in your notes, we've been talking about this mindset. Colossians 3, you don't have to turn, it says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And the last few weeks, we were talking about, what, you know, why are we here? What's the whole goal of being like a butterfly? What's the whole goal of being like Jesus? What's the whole goal of coming to church? Right? And you've seen that there's radical consequences and implications if you're not clear on the right purpose, if your mind's set on the wrong things. And so we saw that, you know what, why do you want to become more like Jesus? For what purpose? Glorify God. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. For what purpose? Glorify God. Right? You remember those key verses? The verse of the month, right? Let your light so shine before men that they would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. That you may declare the praises of Him. Right? We're to adorn. Remember the the ornament with the Christmas tree? We're to adorn the gospel. So here's the crazy radical truth. If you want something to renew your mind for a very long time, you hear me say this all the time. It's not about you. Your faith is just not about you. It's not about what God's going to do for you, what God's going to give you, how God's going to meet your needs. It's, it's not. That's the culture. That's what we call muck church. That's the church shopping mentality. How is the church going to meet my need? No. The Bible says I am to bear fruit that my Father is glorified. You coming here today should have been rooted in a desire to praise and glorify God. 
Because, see, when you got up and you got in your car at whatever time, you know, Wes got here. What time did you get here, Wes? 7.20 or something, right? Oh, dark 30, right? You know what I mean? When you get up and you're in your car, I think it might be possible that your neighbor, who might be up also, is, oh, there goes Sue, going to church again. Hey, 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 there go the Rollins. They play worship at that church over there. Did you realize that you getting up, getting dressed, walking to your car in your neighborhood is glorifying to God? Because you are telling your neighbors he's worth it. He's a priority. See? Changes everything, doesn't it? Changes everything. It's not just, oh, I got to go to get to church to get something. No, I'm getting up. I'm get up, I'm going to get dressed, and I'm going to walk out. And if any of my neighbors happen to be out, maybe they'll ask where I'm going so early on a Sunday. And I'll have the privilege to say, I'm going to church. See? We're all part of it. You have the privilege and the joy to glorify God just by coming on a Sunday. Isn't that awesome? What a privilege, right? Because it's not about us. Now, when you come, you're blessed through the music, through the word, through the... Donuts, okay, see, you know that already, right? Donut. We reap the benefit, but first and foremost, if you want to be transformed, some of us are stuck in neutral. Lord, I'm doing a lot. I'm serving. I'm giving. I'm eating. The reason you're stuck in neutral in your transformation, a lot of activity, might be because your church and your faith is about you primarily. And here's the thing. You're full. It's Thanksgiving. You're full. Couldn't eat another thing. In fact, I just need to take a nap. I'm tired. A lot of Christians are just Thanksgiving full. Because it's always about the next thing that they're going to get from the next conference, the next speaker, the next pastor, the next song. So you're full. You're full. And then you want to be transformed, but you're not moving, and you're not, you're not moving forward in anything because you're just about me, 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 right? And, and this is where, you know, we've kind of slowed the ship way down because I'm going to guess, for me and for many of you, that whole idea of it's not about you or it's not about me, we could camp there because so much of our churchiness is about me. If we're not careful, going on a mission trip can be about me. Going on a mission trip can be about me. What am I going to get out of it? What's God going to do in me? People are going to clap for me. I might get to go up and talk about it and do the slides. Yeah. This right here, we meet every Thursday and we talk because doing worship... If we're not careful, the people behind these mics and on these stools and behind these drums, it could be about them. Uh Uh-oh, I get to play. (sighs) Right? So we have to be really careful. And and, and if if you really want to be transformed, ask God to show you what aspects of your faith are about you more than Him. And you know what? He will. And, and I shared with you last Sunday, when you come to church, what should you have? You should have your Bible and a pen or pencil. You should have them. 
Why? Because when you come, if you believe this is the word of God and the Holy Spirit's going to speak through the word of God during this time of worship, you should have your Bible and something to write with and you should say, Lord, I'm ready. Speak truth to me. Not note taking necessarily, but speak to me. And what you tell me through your word, I'm going to go do it because I wrote it down. But see, I'll be honest with you. When I used to go to church and it was about me, I didn't take notes. I didn't write anything down because once service was done, I was happy. I got what I wanted. I closed the book and we went to go get lunch because I got what I wanted. Radical difference if it's about God speaking to me. Okay, Lord, we're here. You know me better than I know me. Speak to me through your word. What, I'm gonna, what you're going to say, I'm going to write down is application because it's not about me. When I leave here, it's about you. Amen? That's why we do this. That's why we do this. If you're not coming to church expecting, desiring, asking God to speak to you through his word, why are you coming? Why? I say that with all the love in my heart. Why? The Bible says we are sanctified by your word. Your word is truth. If you believe this is the word of God, if you believe it's truth, if you believe we're supposed to see everything, hear everything, say everything through this, why aren't you coming ready to hear from God? If you want to be transformed. I ask if. Because he will speak to you. Loud and clear. If you really want him to. See, by faith, that's a faith step. Every Sunday I get up here, I study mega hours every week. And I'm like, okay, Lord, by faith, you have called me to teach your word. And by faith, I'm going to believe through the Holy Spirit that by faith, you're going to speak to even one person who's going to appropriate it, hear it, and apply it. By faith. That's, that's my faith step every Sunday is to get up here, faithfully preach this and not get discouraged, not get frustrated, not say what's the use. They don't even bring their Bibles and, you know, they don't listen. Afterwards, they're more interested in the donuts. They talk more about the donuts than the message. And I know like me, like them, before they get done with lunch, what was that message about? I don't know, but that was a good joke. You know what I mean, right? You remember the jokes more than the scriptures. I get all that. But by faith, God calls me, no, faithfully preach and teach. Because you know what the Bible says the church is? The pillar of truth. All we have here is this, guys. So if you keep coming, by faith, I'm going to keep preaching and teaching. And I'm going to ask you and encourage you by faith to be ready and open and receptive to hearing it. Amen? Amen? Because we get challenged at the core here. God says, he pierces your heart, right? It's sharper than any two-edged sword pierces your heart, right? In fact, turn to Luke 10. Look at this. Luke 10. So we have been challenged at the core level about purposes. Look at Luke 10. In Luke 10, Jesus, starting in verse 1, just some context, Jesus, verse 1 through 16, has sent out 72 of his followers in pairs to the cities surrounding the area in preparation for him to go. And he gives them instructions, he gives them authority, he gives them all kinds of real specifics. He sends out 72 on these little mission trips, if you want to call it that, right? So, verse 16 are the ends of his instructions. 
to the 72 before they're sent out, right? There's a time gap between 16 and 17. We don't know how long, but let's pick up in verse 17 of Luke 10. It says this. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice... That your names are written where? In heaven. I put in your notes that rejoice is cheerful. To be full of cheer, to be delighted. It's the result of the activity of the grace of God in you and me. So, the 72 come back and they're just like, Woo, that was so sick. Did you see that? You remember we were over there? I said, boom. And that demon went, boom. They're all talking, hooting and hollering. They're like, hey, Jesus. Ooh, Jesus. Ooh. That was awesome, wasn't it? You should have seen this, Jesus. You said that you would give us authority to cast out demons. And we did! Woo! So these guys are on cloud nine. They're, it was success. It was a successful mission trip. Mission accomplished. They're coming back to Jesus to report. All right? Look what he says. Let's look at verse 17 again. Lord, even the demons submit to us. Now Jesus, okay, he doesn't completely shut them down. He gives them some perspective. He just, he just broadens their perspective. He says, hey, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. He's kind of trying to reel them in a little bit because look what they said. Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. See, they, got, they were celebrating, but here's the thing. As a believer, your success, you've got to be kind of careful. Because you can get kind of full of yourself. You can get a little bit prideful. You can get a little bit, ah, yes, I got this. Right, I got this. Woo! And so as we celebrate, even as a church, we have to be very careful. We have to be very careful as a church. I've shared with you, we completely celebrate. This is not, not celebrating. This is not glorifying. Not glorifying. We celebrate what God has done since January here. Amen? All the new people that have come. Many of you have taken steps of faith. It's been awesome. So as a church, we celebrate what God is doing. I'm not saying we don't celebrate. We just have to be careful individually and even as a church that it doesn't become about us. That it doesn't become about us. Hey, you've got to come to my church. Great music. Hey, you've got to come to my church. Great children's program. Hey, you've got to come to my church. Hey, you've got to come. Great donuts. Hey, you've got to come to my church. Right? That's Ernie. So I'm not saying we don't celebrate, and I get that at the human level, but be very careful that when God is doing wonderful things in your life, that you keep the main thing the main thing. So Jesus just lovingly brings some correction. He says, okay, I get it. Woohoo! Yeah, right? Verse 20 comes. Look what he says. However, do not rejoice that the Spirit submits to you, but rejoice that your names are written where? In heaven. He goes, oh, yeah, that's awesome. I celebrate the work. I'm celebrating with you the work. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you. Yes, yes, you, you were obedient. You, you trusted me. I gave you. I'm celebrating the work with you. But what really is the basis of your joy? 
that your names are written in heaven. Your salvation, your relationship with God the Father is the basis of your joy. Now, that, that, that word written, I love the word written, right? It's in your notes. Look what I put there. I put the definition, a couple different definitions, way to look at it. When it says written, it's in the perfect tense. That's, that's you know, part of speech. Perfect tense, it says, your names have been written in heaven and are on permanent record up there. They have been written and they stand written. The context is people that heard Jesus say this, they would have said, oh, I know what he's talking about. In these cities, they would have registries. And when someone was born in that city, they would write their name down. They would write down all the names of the citizens for inheritance purposes and just to keep track of everyone. You know what that book was called in the city? The Book of Life. Because when someone was born and brought into physical life, they would record them in the register. So Jesus is like, your names are written in heaven. They're like, what? What? We celebrate God's work on earth. And he says, but I really want you to celebrate that your name is in the heavenly register. It's perfect. It's perfect present tense. When was the last time you took the time to reflect on the biblical truth that right now, if you're a believer on Christ, your name is written in heaven. What? Come on now, forget church. Forget that. Forget you're at church for a second, because this, this puts us in this weird mode, right? If you are an individual believer in Jesus Christ, as you sit here right now, the biblical truth is that your name, your name, is written in heaven. Okay, we got one yay. We got one. <laughs> Your name is written in heaven. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's so weird. Jesus says, rejoice. It's joy. Be full of cheer. Be delighted. Right? I don't know what to tell you. I can't overcomplicate this. Your name is written in heaven as you sit here. Now, we get, we get excited when we know it's like Mother's Day and we call and we're the first one to get reservation. Oh, I got the reservation. Right? When you, right? I told the band earlier for Vinny's graduation at Nordoff a couple weeks ago. Started at 630, gates open at 5. We like to sit at the 50-yard line at the rail. And if you've been there, it fills up, right? So I sent the first wave. I sent the... And they get there, and Layla's in charge of the wave. Shiloh drives, and Eileen and, and my nephew, we got towels and blankets and everything to reserve 20. We have to reserve 20 seats at the 50-yard line on the rail. I, I get there. We've got to get there at 5. We get there at 5. They get there at 5. There was a line of people who had started walking in. Layla tells Eileen and Joey, my nephew, run! <laughs> they ran! Unashamedly! That's what I love about 8th, ninth graders. They don't care. <laughs> I get the call. Mission accomplished. And I'm at home. I'm like, whoop! I can rest. I was at peace. I wasn't in turmoil. Are we there? Did we get it? 
Did we get it? How many of us are still in turmoil in our relationship with God? How many of you are securing your reservation? How many of you are the basis of your joy is that your name is written in heaven? Versus the basis of your joy is an answer to prayer. Still a good thing. The, answer, the, the basis of your joy are your circumstances. The basis of your joy is your finances. The basis of your joy is if someone likes you or not. What's the basis of your joy? What do you rejoice in? When you get up in the morning, what's the basis? What is the foundation of the joy you're going to have? Jesus says, rejoice that your names are written where? In heaven. Come on, what else matters, really? I mean, think of if you live to be a hundred. Thelma? Woo, right? Think of a hundred, which in our human terms we think is a long time, in light of eternity. Put a hundred years in light of eternity. What is it? If that. What really matters? What's really your basis for joy? That your name is written in heaven. It just keeps us, keeps us grounded, keeps us rooted, helps us get not too high, not too low, even when things go really bad. Here's the thing. You can rejoice that your name is written in heaven. How many of us are circumstance driven? How many of us are if this, then? Oh, Jesus says rejoice that your name is written in heaven. When is it written? Who here would say, yes, my name is written in heaven. Right now. Right? All those jokes about the pearly gates. Right? So we have the pearly gates. And we have the book. Name? Name? Sorry, man. No, just kidding. Just kidding. No. <laughs> I couldn't spell it. You telling Jesus he didn't know how to spell your name? Is that S I or S E? I'm sorry, I'm Jesus. I don't know. There's a book, and your name is written in it. It's not a pie in the sky, wishy-washy fairy tale legend that you hope is true. The Bible says it's true when. Before, written it before the foundation of the world, it's true right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Your name is written in heaven. If you believe on Jesus. This, this, this is where... You know, sometimes a pastor, like, well, I could teach on it, or we can experience it a little bit. So Jesus said, rejoice, right? Rejoice. So here's what we're going to do. The rest of the service, we're going to rejoice through worship. And my prayer for you, my prayer is that you will rejoice that your name is written in heaven. 
Rejoice in that. Choose right now to forgive out all your circumstances, all the stuff that are waiting for you outside that door. Choose, choose, choose to put it aside and say, Lord, for the next however long we're here, I choose to rejoice that my name is written in heaven. Can you do that? See what happens. Let's pray. Worship team, come on in. Father, we thank you for your word. The disciples came back hooting and hollering because they had had a great mission trip. And Jesus was good with that. However, he said, don't just stop and rejoice with what you did. Rejoice in who you are. Rejoice in who you are in Christ. Rejoice in the fact that your name is written in heaven. And Father, this morning, my prayer is that we will rejoice as we reflect, as we appropriate, as we accept and receive your truth that by faith in Jesus Christ, our names, our names, my name, your name, as we sit here, is written in heaven. We have the assurance of salvation. We don't need to fear death. We don't even need to fear about where we stand with you. Because by faith in Christ, the Bible says our name is written. So we want to celebrate that. We don't just want to academically assent to it. We want to do what Jesus said. We want to rejoice. And we want to express that through song. And may it just well up in us and may it just be an expression, a free expression of who we are in Christ. And the truth, the truth, the truth. That this day, this hour, this minute, this second, our names are written in heaven. And all God's people said, let's stand together and let's worship. Father, we thank you for who you are. We do just unashamedly, freely give you praise. Give you worship. And we talked about names being written in heaven. And perhaps there's somebody here that isn't sure. Perhaps there's somebody here that doesn't know whether their name is written in heaven. The Bible says that we're saved by grace through faith. The Bible says that when we rest on Jesus' completed work, in God's grace, We become children of God. We are adopted into His family. And in that adoption process, our names are written in the book of life. And if you're here this morning and you're not sure, you're not sure. Maybe you're even fearing God. Maybe you're you're uneasy about the whole idea of eternity because you don't know where you're going to be. If you're here this morning, the Bible says we are saved by grace through faith. So this morning, in the best way you know how, in faith, resting fully on Jesus alone, you say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I rest fully in your finished work on the cross. I know I could never earn it. I know I could never be good enough. I simply receive by faith the gift of salvation that comes through faith in Christ. So I receive that gift this morning. By faith alone, in Jesus alone. Thank you 
thank you, God, that my name is written in heaven. You may be seated. We're going to take communion, and this Sunday we're going to distribute the cups to you. I encourage you, in this time of remembrance, we're going to sing a really, really cool song about being a child of God. So as part of this, names written in heaven, as part of this adoption, when you hold the cups, just remember that it was because God's love and His grace and your faith in Jesus, symbolically His broken body and His shed blood, that as you hold the cups, if you're a believer, your name is written in heaven. Your name is written in heaven. Amen? You would turn to uh, turn to Hebrews really quick. Turn to the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, the author is talking about to an audience that that perhaps are struggling in their faith because it has not yet fully grasped the significance of the new covenant, and they're struggling. They're struggling in the renewing of their minds and how to approach God and how approachable is God, right? And he makes this he makes this stark comparison in Hebrews 12 between Mount Sinai, where the Old Testament was given, and he remembered Exodus 19 when they went to Mount Sinai, there were clouds and there was thunder in God's voice, and, and in Exodus 19 it says that the people all trembled because God was giving the law and they couldn't even touch the mountain unless they would die, right? Lest they die. And a lot of us grew up looking at God with the Mount Sinai picture. Unapproachable. Going to smite you. Trembling, right? Even as believers, some of us may have carried that in to present tense. And in Hebrews 12, let's look at verse 18. It says, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it beg that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. That's the picture of Mount Sinai. And he's telling his readers, you're not there anymore. And that's the word for you. You're not there anymore. And he says, look, look at verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn. That means if you're a believer, you have dignity, you have title and rank, you're an heir, you have inheritance. Okay, that's what it means. Whose names are, oh, whose names are written where? In heaven. Hmm, look at that. You have come to God, the God of the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. He says, hey, there's Mount Sinai. Woo! And then there's Mount Zion, the new covenant through faith in Jesus. And the title of the message is, Would You Rather? Right? And as a youth pastor, I would throw out these fun little things to the kids. Hey, would you rather, right? Would you rather be uh, Captain America or Iron Man? Right? Who would you rather? 
Iron, okay, we got an Iron Man back there, right? 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 Oh, no. Oh, family feud right there. We got Captain America and Iron Man, same family. Good talk home, okay? Would you rather, would you rather live in the mountains or at the beach? Okay, okay, see, see? Would you rather, would you rather be the best player, the all-star on the last place team, or the bench warmer who never gets in on the championship team? How many would rather be the star on the last place team? Okay. How many would be the bench warmer on the championship team? All right. All right. Right. Would you rather? And so God presents this to us, I believe. Would you rather walk in faith and in relationship to God on Mount Sinai or Mount Zion? Which mountain do you want to camp on? Would you rather Mount Sinai or Mount Zion? And if you're going to camp on Mount Zion, just remember, your name is written in heaven. You go up to the state park, go to the park ranger. I'm here at Mount Zion. Oh yeah, come on in. Your name is written in the Mount Zion registry. Your name. When you, when you put your faith in Jesus, your name. Yep, come on up, Mount Zion. Mount Zion. Oh, and by the way, when you're on Mount Zion, you have full access to Father. You have full access. No fear. In love, grace. Come, Mount Zion, you go right up. Mount Sinai, don't touch it. He's up there and he's mad. <laughs> Would you rather live the rest of this day, this day, under the cloud Mount Sinai or the joy and the grace of Mount Zion? That's your choice. That's your choice. And you can leave here radically different because you know right now that your name is written where? In heaven! So does it really matter what's going to happen when you leave here? Because in all of eternity, your reservation is made. Your reservation is set. You walk out of here and it can radically change how you view every circumstance in your life. Because here's the deal, guys. It's present tense. It's not just future. It's present tense. See, we view our circumstances and our trials, that's very present tense. I've got to pay the bill. I've got to get past this. I get, all of a sudden, all these negative things are present tense. No. I want you to leave here today based on the authority of God's Word that your name being written in heaven is present tense. Amen? Amen. It's present tense. I'm going to be at Mount Zion. <laughs> you all got to make that choice. I would rather be on Mount Zion. And it's a choice we make every day throughout the day. Amen? Amen. We're going to close with a beautiful song called Trees of the Field. And it's based on Isaiah 55. It says, All the trees of the field shall clap their hands. This is a song of salvation and deliverance. For the, for the Israelites, they were like, Oh, Lord, you're so good. You saved us. You delivered us. Everything looks like it's praising God. Even the trees look like they're clapping their hands. That's what this song is, Isaiah 55, 12. So if you are appropriating the biblical truth that your name is written in heaven, that you can cruise up to Mount Zion and keep going all the way to the Father's throne, celebrate by singing trees of the field. Just let it rip and, and praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together.